Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Today our lesson deals, as has already been said, about prejudice. And the series is Every Tongue and Nation and today deals with overcoming prejudice. So let's, uh, before we begin, um, let's pray and just ask God to bless us as we look at this and read his word. Let's ask him to bless us. Father, we love you today. We ask you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, as we look into your word, God, I pray right now that you would touch us, open our hearts, our minds. Father, we wanna look into this word, God, and let it touch us, let it strengthen us, Lord God. For it surely is the lifeblood of our soul. God, I pray right now that you anoint us. Help us hear and understand, Lord God, what thus saith the Lord. God, I pray that you move this day. Have your way, Lord God. Touch each and every soul, Lord God, that we may be able to comprehend what this word would say. Grant it, God, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the, um, the apostles is talking here and he is... Well, I'll just read, first I'll read um, the text that it gives. It's in Acts 15, uh, Acts 15, 8 and 9. And it says, And God, which knoweth the hearts, he's speaking of the Gentiles here, the apostle Peter, and to the Jew, uh, a Gentile was anyone other than them. If, if you was a Jew and you was a non-Jew, you was considered a Gentile. So he said, and God, and God which knoweth the hearts, speaking of the Gentiles, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And this is what he told them, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So the apostle is telling them, he's reaffirming the message, what happened in the very beginning God poured out his spirit on us. The apostle Peter went and preached to the Gentiles. Well, what do you know? He poured out his spirit on them just as he did us and put no difference. He's changing or, or he's separating. He says, as he did on us, he did for them. So let's quit looking at them as like Jews and Gentiles. Now, all of a sudden, we have become one through the spirit. So he's telling them that is it is intended for everyone. It's not us and them, it's everyone. We are not to just say us and them. So, but one scripture I wanna read, it's in the book of um, Revelation. The Bible tells in uh, Revelation five and nine. It says, they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book 
For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. So here God is, or here is saying this is right after the Lord he takes and he's worthy to open the seals. The tribulation, great tribulation is fixing to begin. So they're worshiping and he tells what's fixing to happen. You're worthy to do this. So he says that he's taken um, out of every you know, kindred tongue uh, of everything and he mentions to me what is unique for groups of people. So I would look at it as that God has taken his people from the four corners of the earth. It doesn't really matter where you're located on planet earth. If you take and you um, look at this, it's not like me that I should take and say God has loved me enough to give me his spirit and allow me to be baptized. And then I should turn within myself and say, who are you that you should want it? That's, you know, and we have been taught from a very young age, I say taught, we have heard the expression, don't judge a book by its cover. And instinct probably, you know, I'm not judging you. I would say I have done that. Well, you see people and you know, and then I will put this into words that you may not, but you know, I just don't really like them by the way they look. And, and I'm sure that uh, I've had that said about me. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> but the thing of it is, you know, we just have a tendency to do that. And we really and truly, you know, I would think most of the time really mean no harm by that uh, of just a face value. But just of looking at someone and maybe not liking something they did, but yet judge them on that. And but when it comes to. Surely a Christian point of view, who am I to say God would love me and not love someone else solely by the base of what they look or what they act like, what part of the country they come for? That's got nothing to do with it. Really, I would think that, that I would be awful arrogant to do that. And really, you know, I guess, and, and I don't know, um, maybe it would be... Like in here in America, I can use us, so to speak, or me even. It's where you're born, what you're around. You know, that's why that we're preached to all the time. Careful what you listen to, what you allow to influence you. Because you may not be someone that has a lot of prejudice, but if you are around it and you allow yourself to be influenced by it, then you will begin to think, well, maybe that is right. And, you know, that's why we've said that it really does matter who I allow to influence me. Because if from a Christian point of view, you know, we're taught to love everyone. And, and really, that's just not a saying. Because when you go to the Bible, it literally, and I have believed all my life because God gave us something that we could relate to. When it just simply says, God is love. Now, that's probably a definition different for everyone of how you view God is love. But that's what the Bible says. But I believe he did that 
on the purpose that is something that we can relate to. So when I take and I have a, I am prejudiced against someone on how they looked or act or, or, or their skin color or how they may believe and, and just think and just literally right then make a judgment against them, then I have took myself and put myself literally, so to speak, above God. Because literally what they are and what we all are is made in the image of God and with his spirit breathed into us. And that is priceless because God himself said, if you gain it all, it still wouldn't equal the value of what you already possess. And that's his spirit that he's put within us. So he takes and we have this. And the first, the first part of the lesson deals with the apostle. The apostle Peter, when he takes, he goes up on the housetop, he's in there and the the Bible says that he, he's literally, he feels, he goes up to the rooftop, the apostle Peter, he begins to pray and he has this vision. So the Bible tells him to, to get up and in Acts, uh, let's, uh, let's read this. In Acts 10, verse 9, Acts 10 and... Um, Nine. On the morrow, um, as they went on their journey, they drew nine to the city. Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry, and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He had a vision. And the heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending upon him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, let down to the earth. While there was in all manner a four-footed beast of the earth and wild beast and creeping things and fowls of the air, there came a voice to him, said, Rise, Peter. Now listen, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake to him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, thou shalt not call common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again to heaven. Now, Peter's hesitation was understandable because going back to Leviticus, which he was a Jew, he understood the laws about what you should partake of and what you should not partake of. So that's why he said when this vision come down and he sees all these beasts that he knows now, this is an analogy that the Lord is doing to, to the apostle. So he sees this and he says, kill and eat. The reason you would kill is to consume that. And the apostle is saying, I can't do that. That has been made unclean by you, Lord. So the, the Bible says that the Lord did that to him three times. We're just human. We're just human. I'm not saying question the Lord three times when the Lord is trying to get us to do something. I believe these are in there to give us hope, to give us strength. And if you feel like you failed God one time and the devil's just nailing you to the wall, read the Bible. The heroes that we put so high, here is one that God has to tell him three times and he give him the keys to the kingdom. And he's telling him, kill and eat. And he said, no, that is against what the laws that you gave us. But the Lord said, look, 
don't call it unclean when I have cleansed it. So then the apostle begins to understand. And then this is, here we have this. Here's something that he tells him. Now, there's two parallel visions in scripture. I think this is the second time. The first one is Saul and Ananias. But this is the, uh, the apostle Peter and this is Cornelius has happened. While this is happening to Peter, Cornelius on the other side of the scale, God's working on him and telling him there's a man that you need to go see. And so while he's trying to get the apostle Peter in position, Cornelius, here is a man that really a Gentile that needs to be in a position. But the truth is he's having a whole lot less trouble with Cornelius than he is with Peter. But Peter, but Peter is locked in to this Old Testament law. And God, I gotta get you out of this Old Testament law because I'm bringing in the Gentiles. And Peter's letting his, can I say prejudice, get in the way of what I have had, what I, we've lived with for thousands of years. And now all of a sudden, but what the apostle Peter really didn't know at the time is God was gonna use him to be a voice to the Gentiles. And he is saying, no, I can't do this. It's unclean. And God said, you know, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't call that unclean. So this is how we see. So, and then the Lord tells him, there's some men at the door that you need to go see. Now, how much easier, I mean, when it comes to mercy, here is God saying, the apostle they some men at the door right now. Get off the roof, go to the door. They some men that you need to go meet. And when, while I, when he met the men, they told me about Cornelius and they went to go see him. Now they told him, they told him, in fact, in fact, where to go, where to go see him, exactly what he was saying. They arrived at the house of Cornelius and Cornelius told him about the vision he had and how he was sent to find Peter. And then he felt Peter, the apostle, felt inspired to preach. He did, but he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like the verses that we read. God put no difference between us. And as he preached, guess what? The same Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles of Cornelius as it did them. And, and they began to speak in tongues, just like the day of Pentecost, and then it all began to make fully clear because the apostle was beginning to realize this is not just for us. This is for everyone. God came for everyone. We thought in the beginning that Jehovah the Messiah was just for us. But God said, no, I am to whosoever will let him come unto me. So he is seeing that it is just for him. And now... Looking back, I don't think the apostle really knew how this was going to be received, but because they did not, pure and simple, associate with the Gentiles. So here was the apostle stepping out on literally something that was not done. So here he is. Here is Peter. He is the spokesman, so to speak. That's just me, spokesman for the, the, peop for the disciples, stepping out. Here he is not only associating, but he's preaching to them. And now he's got to come back and he's going to say, you know what? As I preached on the day of Pentecost where we spoke in tongues, guess what? They did too. 
the Holy Ghost fell on them and guess what? I was an eyewitness to what happened to them. So God didn't only pour it out on us, he did this and guess what? He put no difference between us and them. So I cannot be prejudiced against us and them because I've seen it. He did it. So that's what he was saying. He went through that and that's what the whole vision was. But in hindsight, I, I, I can see Peter's hesitation. Here, I mean, tradition holds strong. That's why I just always go to the scripture that says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make, make you free. So here is the apostle struggling with thousands of tradition. And when God says three times to him, you've got to work through this. And we, we, we've had people that just are, are just hold on to traditions. Literally, when it comes to God and his ways, they just cling to what and, and what maybe family or family traditions has told them through the years and just say, how dare you say that my parents or my grandparents was wrong? We're not saying nothing against grandparents. We are not the benchmark. This has got to be the benchmark. It is not for us to be, we're trying not, not to be and literally to be prejudiced against no one. We're saying we are not the truth. This is the truth. We're not trying to be prejudiced against no one. This is to whosoever will. And we're saying, uh, uh, you know, this is the way that it's got to be. And don't look to me. Look to the Bible. Look to the Bible. We're only a representative of the truth. This is the truth. This is God's word. and This is how it's going to be. So he's telling them that this is what happened. And they did. He associated with the Gentiles. God was literally at this point leading them into new territory. At this time it was. And the apostle and then Paul would literally take over later. But at this time Peter was doing it. The next character it deals with was the woman at the well. When Jesus went through Samaria, even though there was a deep prejudice in Jewish culture against the Samaritans, now in the Bible if you read, not only did the Jews didn't like Gentiles, and maybe that's a little strong, but they did not care for the Samaritans too. The Samaritans was a mixed race of people who had intermarried with the Assyrians year before, years before, or centuries before. The Samaritans had a separate version of the Hebrew Bible and a different temple. But where Jesus met her was at the well, at Jacob's well. In this passage, it was noontime, the hottest part of the day. The better time to draw water would have been when it was earlier in the cool of the day. But Jesus was weary from the road in his flesh, and as he rested, he asked it, this woman to draw him water and that right there was a no-no it was a no-no you didn't a Jewish man did not speak even to a woman of this caliber it just didn't happen and he began his interaction with this woman with a, just a simple request give me drink literally by doing this Jesus broke through several cultural prejudices and custom. And at that time, reputable men did not speak to women alone in public if, if they did not know them. 
Jesus engaged her as a close friend. Now, the Bible tells us she's there at the hottest part of the day. She's being, um, as we would say, blacklisted, if you please. But what really, truly gets me is no Jew would risk such an encounter. This, maybe this woman shocked by the breach of customs that she is normally used to uh, was quick to remind Jesus of the walls between them. But Jesus refused to let the barriers that was between them keep him from the opportunity. But we know, we know that she took and where he started at is here is something that we both need, pure and simple, water. And that's what he chose as an inroad. He found common ground with her. But what she couldn't believe is here is you, here are you, asking me. Don't you know who I am? And you're asking me for water? And what is, what I find hard, to be honest with you, and here is, condemnation, here is blame, here is guilt, ever how you want to name it, put on the woman at a time, and I know I'm a mixed company, so I will, I will try to be as kind as I can, but what this lady is accused of, she did not do by herself, so all I'm saying is she was left to bear the blunt of the offense. She is just hung out to dry. And so that's what I'm saying. And she was, I believe she was shocked when Jesus asked her, I want you to give me a drink. It was just like a leper that couldn't even be touched. And what, what must it felt like to feel the warmth hand of someone actually touch you? And here is a woman that is an outcast. And somebody show compassion. Just show compassion to her. Not ridicule her, scorn her, look what you've done. Just beat her down again. Just show compassion. So he does that. And by speaking to this physical need, he addressed her spiritual need. Because literally, he pushed through this. He spoke about the wall. And then... By speaking to this, he addressed that spiritual need. As a result, the woman began to lower her defenses, realizing that maybe he didn't come to condemn me. Maybe I can have a dialogue with him. But who wouldn't want this everlasting water? And finally, the woman says, Give me this water that I may not thirst and come to draw. But she takes, and then when it got, literally, when Jesus spoke to her, and he's speaking to her, as we would say, he addressed the elephant in the room. And this lady was alone in the hottest part of the day for a reason. Her community had shunned her. She was an outcast, literally among outcasts. At first glance, you may wonder why Jesus would bring it up at all, but think about it. Jesus was leading this woman to a surprising revelation. He was the Messiah. He was there 
if Jesus hadn't addressed her sin, she may have, as a result of thought, that he would have never shared this truth if he had not known really what I've done and why I was out here alone. Instead, by addressing the obvious sin in her life, Jesus let this woman know that she was fully known and she was fully loved. If he hadn't mentioned it, this lady would have thought, he's being kind to me, but he doesn't know who I am. But a, Jesus addressed the sin in her life, so this lady knew he knows who I am and what I have done, yet he chose to show me love. I mean, that is completely, to me, with full mercy, acknowledging what she had done. And that by, that by turn, if the no wall of sin could separate her, nor could it separate her from the well of life. And we, we should look at that. We can't hide nothing from the Lord. That's why if an individual comes in, you may, literally, you may have been in church all your life and think you hadn't considered or, or, or did nothing wrong, and, and, and I mean no harm in that. And if someone comes in that you may think is, is the raw sinner or whatever, my point I'm trying to make is, is what our pastor says. Sin is sin. And the Bible says we all have sinned. All have sinned. So when you stand before God, it says, but I only committed one sin. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. I'll just go ahead and tell you, there's no such thing. Sin is sin. We are the ones that put that categorize sin because we have these moral laws that we think, well, I only done this and they did this. Sin is sin. But what God did to her, he says, I know you and yet I love you. That's why God said he loved us and he knew us at the same time. That's why I believe that, that we shouldn't try to condemn no one if if. if Love me after this. If they've come in and repented 50 times and this is the 51st time, it's not for me to say. It, I do not, I do not let it never ever be said that Brother Rayleigh is the one that cut them off. If you hear that, just go ahead and have me committed because I've lost my mind. I'm telling you, never, ever, never, ever do I want to be in that category or pin with that group that I could not have mercy because I know this part of that Bible says with the mercy that you meet out, with the mercy that you're going to receive because dealing with God, dealing with God his mercy is everlasting. His mercy. So this woman that had to literally tote this alone, God showed her mercy and yet let her know that he knew her literally inside out, but yet still loved her. There was no prejudice. I love you. I love you. Literally, it's what it was. The woman 
literally began to shift the blame back to the only thing that she could tell difference, and that was worship. The Samaritans said they worship in one place, but she said the Jews said they worship in another place at Jerusalem. But God, at this point, the Lord hadn't been crucified. So the Lord said the day's coming. It's not the place that you worship. Worship is going to be done in spirit and in truth. It's what he's telling the lady. Don't get hung up on the place. He's telling the lady, you're saying here and you're saying the Jews are saying you got to go to Jerusalem to worship. It's not about the place. It is about the worship in spirit and in truth is what he is trying to show her. So guiding people, guiding people, it is not about the geographical location, but it would be done in spirit and in truth. Now, the nature of worship is what is important, and that is in spirit and in truth. Jesus showed us that as we choose to argue over the walls and presidents that separate us, we distract them from the well of life. That is, I'm telling you, if that is a true statement. That is a true statement. When we, and of all, of all things, I'm telling you, this is me. Mark it down as me. The last thing that we should argue about is this precious word. And people that has differences with us, but I'll tell you, there's one thing that I'm not going to discuss or argue about is that doctrinal issues. I'm not speaking against that. But I'm, there's different cultures. I understand that. There's different ways people does it. I remember when Brother Boyd said when they was evangelizing, they go to the same, the same churches and everybody does it a little bit different. You know, that's, that's in different cities. I mean, you know, but... When we get to the point where we're right and we're the benchmark and everybody that don't does it like us, you know, no, we can't do that. Because what we're doing is we're shifting the focus from our God who is the well to focus it on us. I'm doing it right. Well, Jesus is not even involved in it. It's all about me because I, I've laid out the ground rules. These are the ground rules. This is the way we do it, and the way we do it is right. Well, what about the Lord? Well, if it's okay, we'll get him in there somewhere, but we got the protocol. You know, we, we take away from the most precious part, and that's the Lord. So we can't, we literally can't do that. Now, arguing with others may be with whom we have, you know, we're just, we may be different. We may be different. You know, we may be different. But one thing we can't agree on, we are all creatures made in the image of God. That is the truth. That is the truth. Instead of showing others how to focus on the well, as a result, an entire community came to hear the words of Christ and discover a, full, a fuller revelation of God's work. So when Jesus stopped at a well to talk to a woman, according to the law, he shouldn't even stop to talk to. Here, she went back and a whole community was changed because he took the time to talk to a woman 
And she went back and said, you know what? The people that we've been talking about, you need to come hear a man that just talked to me. And literally, that change happens. More believe because of the Lord's word. And now they said unto the woman, now we believe because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him and know that he, that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So they believed the woman. They believed the Lord after they heard him. And it was as a direct result of them hearing what the Lord said and the lady talking to them. Now, Jesus illustrated in John on the last day of the autumn festival of boots, Jesus stood up and cried, speaking about well, saying, if anyone thirst." Let him come to me and drink, that he that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this is uh, the, the festival and what they would, done, would do um, every day. They would take water from the pool of Salon, uh, Salon and they would go and pour it out on this. And this was the last day. And some have said it would, it would literally you know, be thankful for what the Lord provided water in the wilderness. And this was the very last day the Bible says that Jesus stood up and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So here is Jesus dealing with what they did in Old Testament law, but he's fixing to change it. Because he said, all of this is your custom. You have did this every day. You go to the pool alone, get this vial of water. You go, you pour it out, all in thankfulness. But it's, as soon as I'm crucified, I am going to be that source. I am that source. So he said, look to me. Look to me. I will be that wellspring. And not only, but he said out of his heart, not only. For if he had just said you would consume it and that was it, it's not about just consuming it and that's it. For he said, for out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So God gives us the Holy Ghost that we may in turn help others. So the Bible, that's what literally Jesus said. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, and I believe that's important, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he in turn gives us his spirit that we may in turn, just like the woman at the well, to help lead others and to help share with others where to go to find the water. Now the disciples returned from grabbing lunch and marble that Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman. And they was reluctant to even bring it up. Jesus took this opportunity to teach them about the harvest in front of them being the Samaritans. The disciples had been concerned about finding kosher food in the Samaritan village and was baffled when Jesus was not impressed. <laughs> was not impressed when they did. So they said they got to go. Jesus sent them away. Literally, they went to go find something for lunch, so to speak. And when he comes back, but he urged the disciples for them to push beyond their cultural presidents and see the people in front of them. And it was probably hard for them. But it was something that was changing. 
the process was changing. It was changing from the Lord coming to the Jews, getting them, and now this gospel was going to the whole world. So he's taken and he's working them. And once again, he, assort, he encouraged his disciples to be witnesses to all the people in the world. And we read in the Bible, and he included Samaria. He included that. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the outpouring of the Spirit for all people still. They did not fully recognize the ramifications as the uttermost part of the earth. And all Judea and Samaria, the Lord said, the Spirit led them to be a witness of the well of life in places they never thought possible. Because of all the conflict that they had had with Gentiles, the Samaritans, but God said, he named them. You can't leave them out. They are mine also. I'm going to graft them in too. They are going to be my people too. So you have to do this. But they did. They did. Now, after Stephen's martyrdom, the peoples were scattered from Jerusalem and preached the gospel everywhere they went. Philip preached in Samaria and experienced a dramatic breakthrough. Now he takes and he, he, he's doing this. And in Acts, the, if you want to read with me, Acts, the seventh chapter. In Acts 7.54, let's read that. And when they heard these things, they was cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now, I believe one thing where it says, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. This is after the crucifixion of our Lord. And this is the only time in Scripture, the only time in Scripture after the Lord was crucified that anyone addresses him as the Son of Man. But when you go back to Matthew this is almost the same words in Matthew 26 that the Lord had just told some of these same men. So I believe that literally the Holy Ghost anointed Stephen and he said almost the same words to the men that he was talking to and the Lord reminding them through the voice of Stephen that you're going to see this. You're going to see this. You're going to see what is taking place. So he takes and he does this. And then Stephen does this. Could it be that the work of Jesus Christ began with a woman at the well and opened the door for the Samaritans to experience his, his spirit? I believe so. Jesus showed to his disciples the, uh, the Samaritans were welcome at the well because this well was without walls. It had no walls. They received the spirit. The disciples probably didn't understand that the Gentiles was going to be welcome also to expand this mission beyond cultures, beyond the, 
Jewish prejudice and centuries against Gentiles, God challenged their cultural bias of Peter through a vision on a rooftop as a result. Cornelius' entire household received the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is a life-given well truly without walls. Later, the church had a heated debate about the inclusion of Gentiles. Early on, Peter was an audacious proponent of including the Gentiles because of his experience. Peter challenged generations of traditions and history and declared that the Gentiles were accepted by the grace of God and not by following the law. He said, the Jews was saying, it's okay. We'll accept them if they follow the law. And, and Peter kept telling them, no, this is not about following the law. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the law. So God is going to take and he's going to have them grafted in, but it's not going to be by following the Old Testament law. It's going to be by faith. God raised up Paul to be a fierce defender against prejudice towards the Gentiles. And Peter deserves the credit for overcoming prejudice, even though it took a little while to get him there. But people's just people. And I'm thankful for that. In closing, it speaks of a ranch. There's one ranch I'm sure you've seen on trucks. It's called uh, King Ranch. It's in Texas. And it's uh, 825,000 acres. It's actually uh, a little bit larger than the state of Rhode Island. But the largest ranch is Anna Creek Station, which is in Australia. It's 1,977,000 acres, which is slightly larger than the state of Israel. The Anna Creek Station covers a vast area and has an enormous amount of livestock. Building fences would not be practical concerning a ranch this big. So what they decided to do with livestock so great, they went approximately to the center and they dug a gigantic well and piped it out and they said, if the animals want to live, they got to go back to the well. So that's what they did. There's no fences. The animals knows where the water is. And I think that is uh, a good analogy um, to make from it. Because literally the well that we source from is when it comes to prejudice of what I think or, or what I believe or how I might judge somebody, I can't let it, I can't let, let it get in the way because there's literally one well and everything has got to spring from it. Everything has got to flow from it. And when it does, when everything springs and flows from it, and I don't let my prejudice get in, get in the way or hinder or hinder me. Or you know, when I, heaven forbid, that I would hinder someone else or try to put a stumbling block in front of someone else by, I'm thinking, you know, of thinking anything wrong against anyone else because, and in turn, that is going to be against me because the Lord truly, I believe you can read in Scripture and it 
reaffirmed so many times that God gave individuals all through Scripture, his people, his prophets, those that we consider, and that's probably not the right word, but those you would say in Scripture, just like the woman at the well, the woman that was caught in the act, whoever, ever how you want to name it. And that's looking at it from a male perspective, and that's probably not right. But you would look at it, he gave everyone equal opportunity when it comes to him, to them having access to him. He did not show no prejudice. He did, didn't show no prejudice to no one. And that's what I have always, always tried. The one scripture I'm telling you that I go to, and I've shared it here, just when it comes to someone that it seemed like they have reached their bottom, and the one in Matthew, when it tells your worth, what would it profit you? And I believe that sums it up when it comes to our value. And I believe that applies to ever, ever human that God has placed his spirit in. And I don't want my prejudice to get in the way. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand and let's pray one more time. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means, God. I thank you for the, the giving, Lord God, that it has. I pray that you seal it in our hearts. God, we ask you to bless us, to strengthen us, Lord God, to anoint us, each and every one, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to fulfill, as the role would say, thus saith the Lord. Touch us, God, I pray. Strengthen us, Lord God. Have your way, Lord God. Thank you for this word. Touch us, God, I pray. The holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.